Right. Oh my goodness, that that was so good. It was gold. You know, um, it's a real privilege to hear from Uncle Roland and Auntie Eve. I, I don't know if you caught it, but when he talks about going to America to study uh, his theology, and he's, oh man, I read slow. I can't even type. Auntie Eve needs to type. I uh, you know, really. And then, you know, he did okay at the end. Uh, some of you may not know this. But Uncle Roland duxed his school. He was the top student. <laughs> so it's like, seriously, it's classic. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Oh, no, wait. I topped the whole school. Uh, that, that's Uncle Roland for you. I think um, uh, the, the testimony is really such a good example of what it's like to um, take steps when you don't know what the full plan is. Um, you know, and I'm glad, I for one am so glad that at FGA, we have a heritage of going into uncharted territory. That's the series that we're in at the moment. Just in case you're confused with the name, it's uncharted. So it's without a chart, without a map. What happens when you go into a place and nobody has uh, worked it all out? There's no GPS with a GPS signal telling you turn left in 300 meters. What does that look like? And um, I saw firsthand, um, I had the privilege of seeing firsthand how the Lord led Uncle Roland and Auntie Eve. And actually, um, like I, I will, I'm going to listen to that testimony again. Uh, there were actually some things that we cut out. I cut out. Um, I wish I could have added it in. It's, it's gold. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to be having these big segments where we're going to interview different people at FGA for their faith journey. Because FGA, I think, has this heritage and history of people who have taken steps out um, without fully knowing what the plan is. Let's pray, and I'm going to get right into today's message. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our church, even in this time. And I pray, Lord, as we begin this very pivotal series, that you would reshape this church. That even right now, Lord God, that this series would be a turning point for FGA, a turning point for the families and the homes that are listening to this, Lord. Um, Change us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, you've heard me say over the last few months that there is something broken with the modern church. Uh, I've dropped it here and there, and, and I think it's all been leading to this moment in this series. Something has been birthing up in me. I've been talking to other pastors in our White Horse Network. I've been spending time waking up in the morning and praying, and I think this pandemic season uh, is really giving us an opportunity to tackle something that's broken with the, with the modern church. But can I be very honest and real? Like, If I could, just for this whole sermon, I would like to talk to you at home with your family, uh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about FGA, the church that we're all called into. If I'm very, very honest and real, there is something broken about FGA Melbourne. I've been pastoring this church for almost 15 years. I've been part of this church for 25 years. What this means is that I've seen a lot of people um, live their lives uh, 
almost shepherded, brought up in this church, attending Christian education classes, going to Sunday services, kids, church, um, youth programs. Uh, We've not only seen people, you know, um, take steps of faith and migrate over to this country. We've seen people settle in, get married, a little bit like the story of... um, uh, my life with Mayen, you know, everything from meeting the girl of your dreams, proposing, getting married, having children, and then now my children are young adults and growing up. There's people at FGA that I taught in Sunday school <laughs> and they're getting married. Oh my goodness, you know, congratulations to all those who got engaged this year. Clement, Carissa, Dan, Beck, James, Delani, Lee Ming, Ken, Jerusha, John, Chai, Winston, Hubert, Isabel, Emerald, Bing, Vinny, and Winston, who also not just got engaged, they got married. You know, we get to see a lot of life here at FGA. And you know what breaks my heart? What breaks my heart as a pastor, watching um, and interacting, you know, we're, we see each other a lot. And even if you don't see me, you see a lot of the leadership at FGA. Uh, a lot of us, we're quite a relational church. But what breaks my heart, what's really broken is when I see people grow up at church, seemingly going through the process of modern church, and then I watch their life combust it's not everyone there are there are um so many at at church where uh the trials come and then i see their faith thrive i see them move and and trust god even in the midst of suffering but i'd be lying if i said they weren't others where they have crafted their faith um they've their understanding of church is coming to church on Sunday, uh, you know, they've mastered the, hello, uncle, auntie, how are you? They've, they've mastered the art of just being able to say the right thing, do the right thing on the Sunday. Um, but they're, and they've, I guess, practiced what it's like, the mechanics, you know, of FGA. Um, but they haven't practiced really using their faith. And when they have to go out of what they know, out of the standard, oh, do this class, then do this class, do this, then do that. Um, they don't know what to do. It's like watching sometimes um, a, a car crash happen in slow motion. Because I've seen in FGA even that there are some of us, um, and it's not too late, but I want to address this problem. But there are some of us who have a very shallow faith right and then when times of tribulation and trials come or things go wrong which happens to all of us in life things don't go according to plan we see these last minute grabs for religion oh now is the time i'm going to show up for christian now now i'm going to come for prayer meeting oh come on come on now i need you know I've, i've never built up a strong mentor in church but now i need one you know why my family's combusting. And at that moment where you, you need God the most, when you need his help the most, what I've seen so many times is um, people in modern church with a shallow faith. Maybe they don't, they just show up to church on Sunday, maybe not even every Sunday. You know, they, they, they live their lives during the week. 
There's no family devotion. There's no zeal or the spirit inside the home. Um, in those times of crisis, they're grabbing for whatever they can. But the map fails them. Religion fails them. It's, it's a lot harder than what it seems. What, what am I talking about? I want to help you um, to understand this a little bit. Uh, I'm going to use, a, I'm going to try and keep it as plain as I can. I'm going to use a pet analogy. All right, because in our home, just to keep it real, over the coronavirus season, we decided to get coronavirus guinea pigs. That's right, meet uh, Mocha and Mochi, our two coronavirus guinea pigs. Oh my goodness, these guys have a good life, all right? Um, they, they live in a temperature-controlled house okay because you know these guinea pigs oh no we can't put them outside very cold very cold their, their food is cut and prepared fresh for the man and i sometimes we go out for walks and we scour for the special weeds and and, and leaves that grass that they like and, and get it for them like they're the king and we're their like subjects getting its food for them you know they, they don't have any real dangers uh, these these guinea pigs the scariest thing is when I walk past them too fast and they're like, oh no! But it's not, it's not even a real predator. Um, they, they have a known environment. And so I, I, it's, I think sometimes the modern day Christian can be a little bit like this pet, that we understand what the pet environment is like. We know what to expect, you know, with the pre-order at church on Sunday for lunch. We know like what Uncle Roland is going to say, what, what things uh, Chris is going to talk about, whatever it is. We've worked out that environment. But when the house burns down or when we are put, when God places us into an environment that we don't know, all of a sudden, it's like you're in the wild. All of a sudden, uh, they don't know even the first thing to do. Like these guinea pigs, I really feel bad for them if they were to ever accidentally escape from our house. For their own good, they should probably just come back because the real world outside is not as good as my kids who uh, feed them. Here's what you need to know. God's church is made for the wild. The church, you, the church has been made for the wild. Please don't think that I'm being too harsh with what I'm saying um, and that I don't know what I'm talking about because um, I'll be the first one to admit that it's possible to have a very shallow faith, a faith that is dependent on somebody else or on a religion. You know, I came to this country when I was 15 and from a very sheltered life. And you've heard me give this testimony before. But uh, when I came here by myself, I was on my own. It really was the first time I had to navigate Christianity on, um, in the wild. And, and, and to be honest, I fell away. I, I played too much uh, computer games. I, I didn't go to church. I didn't go to God at all. And it was um, by God's grace that he sought me out, reached out to me, and it, it had, I had to change my entire understanding of faith even. And I'm glad that I discovered God in, um, in, for myself in a very real way. In fact, it, uh, you could almost say I found God in the wild, uh, you know, like while eating McDonald's every day. Uh, but 
our, our faith needs to be like that. Our faith needs to be this faith that when God leads us into places that we don't know or when things happen that are un, uncharted, that, that we that don't have a map, we can thrive. You know, the image that we have, the graphic that we have designed by Jordan, oh my goodness, this guy is so good. Inspired by the great national parks designs of America, you know. Um, but this... Um, this image of the mountains and a guy hiking into uncharted territory uh, is inspired uh, by two very famous American explorers called Lewis and Clark. And I just want to tell you a little bit about their story, you know, in the 1800s. Everybody is uh, watching musicals right now about the uh, start of America. And this was in the early days of uh, America, right? You've got uh, Lewis and Clark. Uh, so right now, um, in the 1800s, right, uh, uh, David Diggs, uh, Thomas Jefferson, is pri uh, president. And he wants to see what the other side of America is like. So they're on the east, and he sends these two explorers to go west, thinking that at some point they're going to hit the ocean on the other side, the Pacific Ocean, which they, you know, they don't know, but they, they kind of think it must be there. And so these guys, uh, they lead an expedition across America. So they start uh, in St. Louis, and then they follow the, um, they follow the uh, uh, Missouri River um, all the way up. And they're trying to get to the West. It's a Lewis and Clark, very famous. You can Wikipedia it, uh, but don't, don't do it right now. Yep. Here's the thing about their journey. They thought they knew what they were doing. They had this idea that they would follow the river. They'd take these canoes. They'd get on a river, go up to the mountain. They would see the first big mountain. And then they would follow the river down the other side of the mountain till they got to the ocean on the other side. Like, that's how rivers worked. And so they had a plan. Nobody actually had a map of America yet. They didn't know what it was like. It was uncharted, right? Uh, but here they go. They, they, they've got their team. They're already they've got the canoes, and they're, they're going along the river. They come up the mountain. They go through the first peak. And you know what they hit? They hit the Rocky Mountain Ranges, one of the top four largest mountain ranges in the world. I mean, if you were to name just off the top of your head the major mountain ranges, which they obviously didn't know, right? You'd go maybe Himalayas, Andes, Alps, and the Rockies. This thing was huge, 4,800 kilometers long of mountains, right? They were the first scientific reconnaissance of this mountain. It had never been mapped before, and they did not know about it. This is an aerial view. Can you imagine? You've got your canoes. You're trying to get over the first mountain, which is pretty hard, and you get up there at uh, uh, Lemhi Pass. They get up there, and it's such a discouraging moment for them because they get up to the peak of this mountain only to discover Stacks more mountains ahead. They actually, they had to ditch their canoes and make a new plan. There was no way they were going to carry canoes 
through the rocky mountains. Sometimes we, we have this plan in our life. We think this is the way it's going to go. I'm all prepped up for it. I've seen somebody else go and do this. So I'm going to get, I know I need a canoe. But life doesn't turn out that way. And at some point when we're in the wild, we have to be able to go, hey, I need a new plan. We are in uncharted territory. Over the course of the series, we're going to be following the life of Peter and actually the life, the very start of the life of the church. You see, the church was always born for the wild. Peter, his life was always ready for uncharted territory. When, when Jesus called Peter in as the, as the first disciple, he doesn't lay out the whole plan for Peter. It's a little bit like Uncle Roland and Auntie Eve were saying. If the whole thing was mapped out, you know, who, who knows what Peter would have thought, right? But, but Jesus goes, hey, why don't you come and follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. And he goes up to Peter and says, follow me. Where are you going, God? What is going to be, what's the plan? I don't think Peter even knew it. Uh, you know, you, you get further on to Matthew, Matthew 16. And, and um, Jesus says to Peter, hey, on this rock, I will build my church. So both Peter and the church have their origins, just as FGA has its origins in our, our founding pastor taking a step of faith. Um, the church of God has its origins actually in taking steps into uncharted territory. And I want to say to you, like, you cannot live a Christian life without faith. You cannot live a healthy, good Christian life as we are designed without being ready for the wild. Peter, he had no roadmap. He was on uncharted territory. You see in his life, and over the course of the series, we're going to unpack Peter's life. But you know, he he gets to the stage where he's denying Christ. This is how unsure he is of the whole thing, right? Then um, you see, uh, if you know your church history, which Pastor Roland is going to be covering in his Christian education course, um, they go through all these church councils. Why do they have these church council meetings? Because they don't know what they're doing. They're trying to work out how do they move forward to meet God's mandate and the Great Commission? How do they start with the, the Holy Spirit, you know, to go to the ends of the earth? They, they even get to the stage where the pastors or the, the apostles are doing so much of helping orphans and widows that they don't have enough time to pray and read the Bible. So they make it up on the spot. They decide to appoint deacons to do the work so that they could do spiritual things. Peter and the church didn't move into a set hierarchy or a plan of how things would happen. In fact, they navigated it like it was uncharted territory, continually being led by the Holy Spirit and continually staying focused on the mission. You know, even to the point where Peter himself gets scolded. Like you would think, you're the pioneer of the church. You're the top guy. You're St. Peter. Who, who would scold you? Yet Paul can even course correct Peter. You see in, in Galatians 2.11, Cephas is Peter. They're the same thing, right? Um, Paul says, 
in Galatians. But when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. His face. Because he stood condemned. What was this thing that Peter was doing? He was like, you know, there was no sort of roadmap or plan. What was Peter doing? Peter was hanging out with Jews because he thought it would not look good if he hung around with Gentiles. And Paul says, hey, Peter, don't just hang around with all your friends and all the... God's church is for all. And you should read this passage. Actually, you should read from um, uh, verse 11 onwards. It's, it's amazing. And, and, and Paul is able to call out between the two of them, Peter and Paul, they're able to work out where should the church go? What, should we, what kind of church should we be? This is a picture This is a picture of what it's like for a church or for a follower of Christ to navigate step by step, a little bit like Pastor Roland and Auntie Eve's story. It's got turns. It's got twists. You have to hear from God. This is what our lives were made for. In fact, you get to Peter. So I want to read you some of the things that Peter writes later on in his life. Okay, so we know Peter, he's following God, right? He's been charged to start the church and he gets now to the the later parts of his life and he writes these things so that us as Christians can read it and follow in his footsteps. He's articulating a faith that is not dead. He's articulating a faith that is not structured, that has a roadmap, a GPS, that, that, that knows exactly what it's going to be doing every step of the way. He's not. So let's, let's hear some of these words that Peter says in, in 1 Peter 1. So he, there's 1 Peter and there's 2 Peter, right? Um, in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he says this. Um, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, great. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Oh, fantastic. We've got a new life. We're born again into what? Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He describes our faith as something that is alive, dynamic, living. In 2 Peter, he says this in uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 again. Um, verse 3, his divine power, God's divine power has granted to all of us things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, wow, really? Yes, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What, what, is, what is Peter trying to say with this? He's trying to say all things. He's got all things that pertain to life, not just the home group material. No, 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 no. Not just the, the way you get to water baptism with the water baptism class. All these are very good. But God's plan is that in every aspect of life, in all, all things that pertain to life and godliness, our faith can come alive. So our faith can come alive when, when we're facing an unprecedented season. Our faith can come alive if we're thinking about getting married um, and our life partner. Our faith can come alive when we're thinking about how do we help the poor and make a difference in, in our world. Our faith can come alive in all things that pertain 
to Christ. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm so thrilled with the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit more from, from that. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, come on guys, this is the reason, because it, it, we need to pertain to all of life. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and with godliness with brotherly affection, and with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his goal. He's writing, gets to the end of his life, and he doesn't want Christians who are ineffective and unfruitful. Maybe they have knowledge, but they're ineffective and unfruitful. They're like pets kept in a cage somewhere. We were made for much more than this. Uh, I, I encourage you to read, actually, Second Peter um, 1 to 15. It's, it's gold. Okay. So, Peter is comfortable with the uncharted territory. The church was made for the uncharted. Um, I want to I wanna, uh, just do a quick plug, if I could, actually, as, as we hit this juncture, because this series, which is just starting today, um, is actually, I'm hoping, going to change the way our whole church looks going forward and how we operate even. And so, one, I'm very conscious that uh, I, we can't cover all of that in the Sunday service. So the Sunday services, they're just going to be big picture. Uh, they're going to point in a direction. And then we're going to try and run classes during the week, uh, engage it in a bit more detail, and then have dialogue all the way through this year, right? Um, we have three classes that are coming up that start this week. Uh, Uncle Roland it's covering church history so that you understand how, as the church, we were designed, we were made for the uncharted world, okay? So we don't make the same mistakes that we made before. I think if you look at your history, you get a good sense of who we were designed to be. Uncle Wysey uh, is speaking um, about how to be uh, use your spiritual gifts, right? And so... Uh, talking about activating that and using that even in this current time of pandemic. And then this Thursday, I'll be running a technical class. I'll be running a class that breaks down some of these concepts in a lot more detail um, called Leading Through Change. Uh, especially if you're a leader at FGA, I would encourage you to come. But even if you're not, if you're leading anywhere else, um, it's going to be a really a little bit of a dialogue. They'll be teaching, but we're hoping to dialogue through what it means to lead in an environment that is changing. So we've got these Christian education classes. I want to encourage you to go to it. Okay. So let's. Um, so to the topic for today, by the way, in case you hadn't discovered it, is um, 
the wild, okay? The church is, uh, you're made for the wild. And so probably I can only cover one topic today to kick us off in this as we've introduced the concept. I've been trying to talk to you about the importance of being able to go into the wild. Um, We're going to cover the first rule of the wild. Number one, know your basics, Know your basics. When you're in the wild, it's like when I came to this country, I couldn't even cook instant noodles. Terrible. My instant noodles still taste terrible as well. But it's okay. You know, you need to know your basics. And I want to tackle, if I could, uh, that your knowledge of the basics needs to be so good that you can survive that you can thrive where God places you. Um, by the basics, and I know this sounds very cliche, I'm talking about the Bible. And I want to address uh, one common misconception uh, about the Bible. And I, you've heard me many times talk about the Bible. I love the Bible. But there's a misconception about the Bible. Sometimes people think the Bible is our roadmap. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the Bible. Yep, and the Bible is going to tell me who I'm going to marry. Though so I'm going to look at the Bible. I'm going to look at the Bible, and and you know I'm going to look at the lives of all these people, and and my life is going to be exactly like that. Or they'll use the Bible just like they the a reference guide, like like how we used to use the Melways in the past. Oh my goodness, you know, well, like let me just pull up this thing. Let me see what is it. And you're looking, you're looking for what is God going to be doing in my life so that I can follow a blueprint. But what you have to understand is the Bible is not that. It's our daily food. A better way to think of the Bible is to view it almost as a field guide for use. Uh, That you, you, you look at the Bible and it shows us who God is. It tells us about the landscape that we live in right now, what humanity is like. You hear stories. You hear stories of faith. You hear about people. So you're you're reading like their journals, like in Psalms, of their faith journey, how they're going. And you're supposed to. The Bible is like almost our way of getting an understanding of the basics because by understanding God and who He is, by understanding us and what, are our, what is our nature, we actually get a glimpse of what it is to take steps of faith. Steps of faith. The Bible is meant to actually encourage us to be more courageous. To move out into the unknown more. Because we would see Gideon, Joshua, Joseph, Moses, Abraham, David, Peter, Paul, John, Jesus, John the Baptist. We would see all these people move forward. And every one of their journeys is different. You know, Second uh, Timothy three sixteen to 17 says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, man and woman of God, may be complete, equipped for what? 
the kind of good works that FGA does as its programs. No. No, 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 no. Equip for the good work that we have scheduled in for September. No way. Equip for every good work. There is good work that you're supposed to be doing, that your family is supposed to be doing, that you don't even know yet. That's why this is so powerful. That's why I'm so excited about this new series and the potential at FGA as we are all slightly in the wild over this season is because I think what can happen is if we can get some of these basics ingrained in us, if we can start growing and taking steps of faith, that not only would we be planting new Christian schools, not only would we begin uh, deacon feeding programs or community works here and there. Oh my goodness, FGA would be a hotbed of things growing in the wild. Uh, I love this quote that came from an article I read uh, that Megan sent me today, uh, this week. It says that we have made an idol out of certainty. I think that's true of our times. And I want to challenge you as you listen to today's sermon, as we get to the end of today's sermon, how important is certainty for you? Will you say, yes, Lord, I will go? Will you say, yes, I'll follow you, God, even when you don't know what that step is. Some of us, we won't even propose to a person. We won't take a job. We won't move country. We won't make a decision without, oh no, I need to be certain. I need you. You better, I better have all the metrics out. I better know exactly what the plan is. Otherwise, I'm not even taking the first step. I think these types of things, they hinder us from where God um, wants to to take us we it's important like I, I get it it's good to have metrics it's good to plan ahead I'm very much a planner but we need to understand that certainty is not the ultimate goal even every map is not an accurate representation of reality things are left out in maps all the time but what happens if God calls you, though, to a place that there hasn't even been a map? Just like Lewis and Clark, just like Peter. What if, what if the church has been called to do work, important work, in the wild? That's what I think FGA has been called for. God has been crafting uh, and nurturing this church for 26 years. I am thrilled, actually, with this church. I've grown up here. I see next to me uncles and aunties, grandparents. I see kids, youth. I'm so thrilled. You, you stay on for these faith journey testimonies because we've got from high schoolers through to young adults through to uh, grandparents who will tell you stories of when God led them into uncharted territories. So I am personally thrilled at FGA and some of the things that have been uh, bubbling up in this church. But we need more of it. We need more of it. And I need to address, and maybe you know who you are. 
I need to address the sum of us in church. There's some. It's not all. There are some. Your faith is a domesticated faith. You need a plan before you can take steps forward. You've spent your years at FGA, which I think, obviously, I think is a great church, but you've spent your years at FGA mastering the system. How do you get the uncle or auntie serving food to give you the fry kway tiao before it runs out? How do you enroll for a class, you know, before it, it, it runs out? How do you get the best seat at church? You know, like, we need to develop within our own households of faith. And that is not just in our church, but maybe even in our own family, a very vibrant faith. Our children, as we disciple our children, we need to ready them for things that God may call them to do that is uncharted. Because I actually think, just as um, Uncle Roland pioneered this church, he pioneered, him and Auntie Eve pioneered these schools in Malaysia. Uh, in many senses of the word, God called me to pioneer um, a new kids ministry, youth ministry. We've been pioneering a whole range of things in FGH. It's not just the pastors. So many new things have started. In many senses of the word, God has in your heart right now, you listening, you're, you've been at FGA, you're maybe a young adult, you're, you're maybe you're married, maybe you're even a kid or a high schooler, you're listening to this, and I want to say this to you. God has very important work for you to do in the wild. The season, the first lockdown season, maybe we can bury our head in the sand and go, hopefully things come back to normal. Let me just, we've had our one try play. This season and going forward needs to be, for us as a church, readiness for the wild. And how exciting, how exciting would it be if all across FGA there was enthusiasm for the mission once again? How exciting would it be at FGA if people would wake up uh, and they would have dreams. That at FGA, uh, people would start journaling things that God is saying to them and then act on it. How great would it be if we could start a ministry up at FGA even during lockdown. I I'm so thrilled with our healing room um, team. You know, as we all went to lockdown... Um, they said, hey, let's do this online healing room. We're one of very few in the whole of Victoria that is doing online healing rooms. And they're sold out every week. I'm thrilled of our deacon um, food things. But you know what? These official programs of FGA, they are not all the good work that we could do. It's not. Your family, your life can do important things in the wild. And if all of us in FGA were able to rise up and innovate and come up with new things as God leads us, then I think we will truly fulfill the destiny that God has planned when he brought us to Box Hill and called us to be a light, a city on this hill. And that's our challenge. It really is. I, I, I want to... Uh, I want to ask as we close, you know, what does your faith journey 
looked like. Normally, we would end a sermon like this. We would end it by going, can I just invite you, all of those who are willing to take a step, a step out in faith, to go into the wild, you know, raise your hands, come on, let's take a step of faith, come out of your comfort zone, out into the wild. Normally, we do something polite and pleasant like that so that you could step out. But oh my goodness. We're already in the wild. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, like the whole thing has literally like changed. It's burned down. And so all of us have taken a step into the wild. We have. And uh, maybe even the days of our government telling us exactly we know what to do. Maybe even the days ex of... Uh, me as the senior pastor saying, hey, this is exactly what we're going to be doing. They're a little bit over. Instead, as the senior pastor, as the spiritual leadership, our, our, our senior leadership team, um, as we lead and guide this church, this is what we know. We have to prepare the church to move um, into uncharted territory. So that we can move, that we can make new discoveries, that we can win this land for Christ, that we can make Jesus' name known, that we can be shining lights for his kingdom. And so that through these trials and testing, just as Peter would say, the tested genuineness of our faith would come out and that we would truly bring heaven to earth let's pray father thank you for birthing this church thank you for calling us together thank you for every person who has been called to be part of this household of faith uh, i want to lift up this new season into your hands god as a church prepare us for the wild help us lord god to um be able to hear your call, to move as you lead. Help us to understand the real basics and get a good grasp of your scripture as we move forward so that we would be guided by the many that have gone before, by your word that illuminates the path and your Holy Spirit whose voice leads us to you. I pray, Lord God, for every family as they grapple with this, as, as we struggle, maybe for some of us, the first time uh, navigating this uncharted world. I pray, Lord, for um, peace and a growth in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you would join us um, next week. We've got a special guest speaker, Nelly Atiga from Brisbane, um, who's coming to speak. And um, he and his family have definitely had so much experience moving into uncharted territories. And I think they will inspire you. Um, to do the same. And so and we've actually got a bunch of really cool guest speakers lined up for this series. Um, I want to encourage you also, if you need prayer, please jump along to our lobby, uh, fjm.org.au slash lobby right now. Uh, and one of our pastors would happily uh, pray with you. We'd love to chit-chat with you. Um, otherwise, take care, and I'll see you all next week. God bless.